was like, you know, you, we were talking about skateboarding movies. Like, I don't know if it was on an actual episode or if it was like uh, just us talking outside of recording. And you mentioned something about grind and um, how you're like, yeah. oh, that's pretty good. And I was like, no, nah, dude, I recently saw that. It's trash. But I, I will admit that like the Tom Green bit when he just. He's at the Animal Chin skate park or whatever, and they just show up and they're just like, yeah, was Jimmy, like Jimmy Wilson here? It's like, oh, Jimmy was like, <laughs> Jimmy was, he was off the hook. Off the hook. <laughs> That's like, like Tom Green deserved an Oscar for that role. And he like, was the only good thing about that film. To be honest, th- that should just be like cut out of the film and just put out as grind. And then it would be like the best movie ever made. Get rid of all the other misogynistic crappy shit around it. And just <laughs> the have actual that one skateboarding scene. Stuff. <laughs> as long as he doesn't milk a cow or something. <laughs> well, you know, as long as this bum is on it. Welcome to the Pot Charles Seneca. <laughs> cast please presented I'm by the French Charles. <laughs> this is your host john live Volster. i'm getting more and more annoying with these each and every week but it's okay we have our little it boy with us this week dealing with all your <laughs> internet problems hey last week he mentioned he got a new wi-fi booster maybe i need one of those maybe it boy can come <laughs> over here and help turn it on and off again how's it going phil it's all right um i'm not a fan of it boy but uh, it's surprisingly complicated <laughs> to put to get put to set up a Wi-Fi booster. You have to like get an app and like connect it, and then you have to connect it next to the router and then move it. But it still has to be connected to the other one. It has to be like halfway through the house. Oh, it's actually man. very scientific. I'm not going to go into it right now. So this is why our parents have the worst internet connection. It's just like they can't even understand the internet as much as it is anyway. And then they just go and get like the cheapest internet and it's like, whatever it works for them. But like they can mm. never do anything because they have zero wi- fi signal and there's no way in hell they're going to be able to understand an app for Wi-Fi boosting. I mean, exactly. And their porn keeps freezing. And they're just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they could just never catch a break. The old folk, the old folk, you know? <laughs> oh man. Phil, guess what, man? What? It's October. You know what that means. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's time to cover our bodies in soft, muted, warm <sighs> colors, overindulging, <laughs> disgusting, pumpkin-flavored IPAs while watching the bloodiest, <laughs> most frightening films ever made until we fall asleep and then wake up to a hangover that can only be cured by a pumpkin spice latte. Repeating this process <laughs> over and over again for 31 days until our heads explode and little bugs and snakes and other creepy crawlies slither out of the remains of our skull. Sponsored by Silver Shamrock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was very impressive. No, uh, but it's October and it's uh, it is also Black History Month in the UK. Usually in America, it is uh, 
February, which is the shortest month. And that's kind of bullshit. So I'm kind of glad that in the UK it is October. <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, it has to compete with Halloween. That kind of sucks, too. But um, hey, fuck it. On the podcast, we're going to not talk about spooky things just yet. We're going to talk about Black History Month. All month long, we're going to give out some of our favorite films from black cinema or films starring black actors from around the world. We thought it'd be a fun way on the podcast to honor the month. So each week we're going to have like basically like our our black cinema pick of the week. Uh, for me this week, I am going to go with 2013's 42 starring Ooh. the late great Chadwick Bosman. So Bosman stars as baseball legend Jackie Robinson, who in 1947 became the first officially recognized black player to play in Major League Baseball. Through his character, determination, and grit, he's able to endure racism and overcome prejudice to become one of the all-time greats. Overall, it's probably like a middle-of-the-road baseball movie, but I think it has a lot of heart, and the story itself is kind of the most important part, plus recently just losing... Chadwick Boseman to cancer uh, was like mm. a really just sudden and shocking thing, I think, for the entire world, particularly like cinema fans and stuff. Uh, and also right now, baseball playoffs are going on. And, you know, we were thinking about this film a bit, you know, off air on the podcast and stuff. It's just like it's a good mm-hmm. movie. Uh, I don't remember or recall how well it did in the U.K., uh, and also for me, I will preface this by saying that a lot of my picks over the next month in this uh, sort of honor. Are baseball Black movies. Month, no, they're not going to be baseball movies. They're just going to probably be American, more American. Angels picks. in the outfield. <laughs> Danny Glover. Um, but yeah, they're going to yeah. be they're going to be probably more American centric just because that's what I grew up with and stuff. And uh, but yeah, I think like baseball just started the playoffs. My team, the Atlanta Braves, have gone through to the next uh, round in the playoffs for the first time in 19 years. They won a playoff series, which is amazing. So I'm pretty stoked. And uh, as a baseball fan, it's just awesome to see how like Jackie Robinson paved the way for African-Americans, Caribbean players, Latin American players, and Asian players pretty much like basically from all around the world and how they helped shape mm-hmm. the game and make baseball basically like the ultimate melting pot of sports. Uh, so, yeah, that's where my head's at this week. Uh, 42, it's, a, it's an okay film. It's not great, but the story is awesome. Chadwick Bosman is actually mm-hmm. really good in it. Harrison Ford's in it, and he's really good in it as well. Uh, so yeah, that's, is, that's yeah. where my head's at this week. How about you, Phil? Do you have a pick for us? I got a pick. Um, I got up my list here, and then, um, I think I'll save the others. I think a good first one would be, and I just, you know, I watched it. Of toward at the beginning of lockdown, it's a great start. You know, this is Black History Month, and a great sort of like crash course in Black History, at least American Black History, in Thirteenth. Uh, yeah, which is a documentary on Netflix. Um, mm-hmm. so easily accessible. You you have to watch it if you yeah. haven't seen it. Like, highly recommended. It. Just it's so it obviously it's amazingly well made, directed by Ava DuVernay. Mm-hmm. Um, really informative, really well done. Lots of voices in it. Um, a really like um, 
like uh, just acceptable way to look at the history of sort of black people in America um, and the sort of inherent loophole of the 13th Amendment with mass incarceration and the new slavery. But through that prism, you you know, they chart everything from the, you know, um, Jim Crow and civil rights and all that. Um, it's just really well done and it's sort of what should be taught in school. It's like so much stuff mm. that you're like, why didn't I know about that? Why didn't I know about that? Um, but it's great. It's, it's one of the better documentaries out there, especially about this subject. Um, and I thought that'd just be a good first um, thing, like to start Black History. Because um, the rest of my picks are more fictional, fictionalized, you know, movie. Yeah. But I thought start with that one. Uh, Forty two. It's it a really good show. I remember really enjoying that movie. Yeah, yeah. I again, like obviously, like mine comes from a little bit more of an entertainment style. I mean, it's based on a true story, and Phil's is mm. a little bit more of a serious take with a really uh, tough documentary. I mean, I saw Thirteenth like a few months back as well. Um, and it's phenomenal. It's really good. Uh, and um, just so you know, I'll probably have another Ava DuVernay pick uh, <laughs> in a couple of weeks. Ooh. So, but anyway, yeah. Nice. So we're gonna go like this the next couple of weeks. We're just gonna like give out a couple of, of fun picks um, or just like real picks. You know, things uh, that we felt like are important to see or just like good stories or fun stories. Um, I don't think we have any real like boundaries of like where we're going with these. It's just like important films to us, I think is probably the best thing mm-hmm. to do. So I don't feel like I'm like, you know, someone who's incredibly knowledgeable anyway, but I do, I do know what I grew up with. Uh, so yeah, it was going to be an interesting next couple of weeks to see what we each come up with. It'll be funny if we end up picking the same thing one week as well. Uh, <laughs> so we're not really. That'd be funny. I've 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 yeah. got a varied sort of list. I'll have yeah. to cut it down, obviously, because I've got like maybe like ten here. Um, but I've tried to do some funny ones in there. Hopefully, we can. I I thought I'd get my really serious one out the way. Yeah, so no. Like, if I, if you actually only watch one of the things <laughs> I'm suggesting, be it this one. Yeah, yeah. Just so you know what the fuck you're talking about. If you ever think racism or like the step on a systemic level doesn't exist, you can't watch that. Team. Absolutely, it's ridiculous. Thirteenth is like to a think complete eye opener for sure. Cool. Well, uh, again, Phil, it is October. October. It's also my birthday in October. Oh boy! What a month! Holy crap! Oh man, we got a lot going on. So yeah, Phil. Actually, it, it's October, so it does mean it does mean that it's all about the spooky ookies. Spooky ookie. <laughs> this week we have a spooky ookie for you. Oh yes, sirree! It's one of the biggest horror films of all time. It's uh, the story of how one cyborg stole an elitist dating site from three Harvard douchebags. Conned his only human companion out of nearly 20 grand, got conned himself by a coke-sniffing music pirate, and then proceeded to steal and sell the data of over 2 billion users. Move over, Terminator! There's a new threat in town! Sure, Skynet was spooky in the 80s, but it's the naughties, goddammit, and you just got a friend request from your mom. It's the social network. I wanna have control. 
need to do something substantial in order to get the attention of the clubs. Why? Because they're exclusive and fun, and they lead to a better life. People want to go on the internet and check out their friends, so why not build a website that offers that friends, pictures, profiles? I'm talking about taking the entire social experience of college and putting it online. The site got 2,200 hits within two hours? Thousand. 22,000. This idea is potentially worth millions of dollars. Millions? You stole our website. They're saying we stole the Facebook. I know what it says. So did we? A million dollars isn't cool. You know what's cool? A billion dollars. You're going to get left behind. It's moving faster than any of us ever imagined it would behind. Let's sue him in federal court. I can't wait to stand over your shoulder and watch you write as a check. If you guys were the inventors of Facebook, you'd have invented Facebook. Is there anything that you need to tell me? Your actions could have permanently destroyed everything I've been working on. We have been working on. Did you like being a joke? Do you want to go back to that? Mark! This is our time. You're being accused of intentionally breaching security violating copyrights, violating individual privacy. Your best friend is suing you for $600 million. As for the charges, I believe I deserve some recognition from this board. I'm sorry? Yes. I don't understand. Which part? You don't get to 500 million friends without making a few enemies. On a fall night in 2003, Harvard undergrad and computer programming genius Mark Zuckerberg sits down at his computer and heatedly begins working on a new idea. In a fury of blogging and programming, what begins in his dorm room as a small site among friends soon becomes a global social network and a revolution in communication. A mere six years and 500 million friends later, Mark Zuckerberg is the youngest billionaire in history. But for this entrepreneur, success leads to both personal and legal complications. Sound the klaxons, Phil. We may have an incel alert. My God, it's the (laughs) 2010 biographical drama about Mark Zuckerberg and the founding of Facebook, directed by David Fincher. And written by Aaron Sorkin. All right, Phil. <laughs> We've gone and done it now. <laughs> we uh we gone done it now. Yeah, we we have uh I don't know. I just jumped right in. We're going straight for the jugular uh of Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, I hope we're ready. Uh, but you know, hey, I don't care. I don't care. Uh but anyway, hot takes up. <laughs> Let's do this. Hot takes out of the gate. Hot take. How we fill and fill about the return of the, the incels. social network, the return of the incels. Uh, because yeah, I think there's some there is some inceldom going on inside this film for sure. Especially the <laughs> oh, very beginning. God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would say that the whole instigator of the movie, of his whole thing. Yeah. You know, it's the whole thing. The starting of Facebook. Um, hot takes. I don't know. Uh, social network is a banger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny, Phil, you know, like 10 years ago, this film is 10 years old now. It's insane. And uh, it was made, what, like five years after Facebook really started properly and started gaining a lot of traction and stuff. And, you know, four or five years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I probably got a Facebook in 2006. Um, you know, 
So it's funny that like it took them 10 years, even though this film pretty much told us that Facebook was made by horrible people and it's a fucking <laughs> scary device, basically, like uh, a scary piece of technology um, and even alluded to a bit of data stealing <laughs> from the get go. So, oh, definitely. It's, yeah, it's amazing that 10 years later now that people are finally starting to realize how fucking terrifying Facebook is and um, that they need to watch some stupid documentary about social networks like, <laughs> like to really just go, oh, this is disturbing. I, yeah, I fucking feel that with Social Dilemma. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I know. I know this. <laughs> like, why did oh, why do people act fucking surprised every few years when a documentary comes out? Like, yeah. like when, uh, wouldn't it, did Snowden would like, when he would whistle blowing about, wasn't it? Someone stealing data. Oh, yeah, the NSA. And NSA, stuff, yeah. thank you. I mean, it was essentially that the government was spying on you. Yeah. And if that's a surprise to anyone who's been paying attention. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's been such a cultural shift around Facebook. Like, when we were watching it, I was like, I wonder how long it will be before, you know, we sh- you show this to movie to someone. And they're like, oh, what, what's this? What's Facebook? Because, like, these companies... They come and go at the end. Yeah. And like Facebook, I feel like we've been seeing it on the way out for multiple reasons. One, there was, yeah, the Cambridge Analytica thing and obviously the dealing of data and information, which, you know, people gave it up so openly. It's not like it was never a real surprise to me. I've been, I've, I've been on Facebook, like to chart my story with the movie, I have to chart my story with Facebook and I got Facebook in like with high school 2007, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. And that was the shit, man. That was like, that killed MSN and Bebo and MySpace. Everyone went to Facebook and that's where everyone spoke. And then uh, like uni, it started to go out. Like I feel like I wasn't on it. I wasn't using it anymore. And I haven't really used it since then. I have, I have one and it, Honestly, just for work, like yeah. you, like you know, we message in the groups, we swap shifts through Facebook. Yeah, I never post anything. Like I just don't really use it. I w- and I the only reason I don't delete it is because I use it for work. But there was also a shift up a few years ago, and we're seeing the damage of it now. Where like our parents and our grandparents and our aunts and uncles and the older generation got into Facebook and just. Yeah ruined it and be- it just became full of like fake news and minion memes and like all the kids <laughs> just moved on to instagram and twitter and i snapchat died but and you know things come and go but like i feel like that's where people have gone now it's just so strange how much it changed yeah i feel exactly the same way i mean i don't really use it that much anymore like and uh it uh yeah i basically only use it because i have to with work and stuff if and i never mm-hmm. actually you know if you guys want to know like if you're are, are a facebook user out there and want to know why we never got like a a facebook account for this podcast because i hate facebook and i don't want another account um <laughs> you know i do i use <laughs> yes. it a bit for my music and stuff uh because that's still like kind of one of the better ways to kind of network and stuff as a band but 
I absolutely hate mm-hmm. all of social media, particularly Facebook. Um, <laughs> I actually never really liked it. Uh, I always thought that like them killing off MySpace was the worst thing, especially in terms of music, because MySpace was way better yeah. brands, way better. You could have a music player, you could network Definitely so did. much easier. You can have your gigs listed a little bit better. Like I don't like Facebook events. Uh, and it was easier to like just communicate with people on MySpace. It was way better. Uh, I don't really get why people swapped over to Facebook. So like, I don't know. It, it, you could see it in this film, especially like you could see how it just is. Oh, it's a cool thing. Oh, it's this cool thing. And it starts as this like elitist, stupid, douchey, like Harvard thing. Literally was, out of Harvard. Yeah. yeah. And it was like only available in universities. I remember that was sort of a thing. You could only get it if you were like in university and also if you were invited to be on it. And then even when I got on, I kind of feel like I had to be invited by someone. uh, Even when Mm. they start to allow anyone to be on it, it was still like a little bit more weird and exclusive. And I just never got to be add your friend. Yeah. Yeah. I just never got one. I was just like, yeah, I don't want don't want one and it took me like probably like a year after all my friends had it for me to finally just get one yeah and it's funny like you know seeing a film like this come out and i remember when it came out i was sort of like how are they going to make a film about facebook at the same time you know i was just sort of saying stuff like you know it was probably like a year later how are they going to make a film about battleship and we see what happened with that you know, so like for me, I was just like, this is going to be the same thing. Like, it's like, oh, a Monopoly movie. That's going to suck. Like, you know, that's what it felt like <laughs> when they said there's going to be a Facebook yeah. film. And there was a lot of buzz going into it when it was about to happen. And uh, yeah, it's funny when it came out. I felt like it, it, it is the ultimate slow burn of a film, isn't it? Because it's like one of those films where mm-hmm. it like. When you see it, you're like, okay, cool. Yeah, that was like really good. But at the same time, you don't really think about it having this like lasting effect. See it 10 years later and you're like, holy shit. Like, it's pretty profound, man. Still quite prescient and relevant. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> this, I can't like, I'm understating how much I like this movie. Yeah. I think it's great. And I think at the time, you're, you're exactly right. I was like, well, how are they going to do that? Yeah, not knowing the story. Obviously, no one knew really the story behind it. No one really cared. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does the great thing of like taking something you have no interest in and making it the most interesting thing in the world over two hours. Yeah, like by the end, I'm like super invested in this world and all these people, and it's tragic and funny and, um, like you said, profound in all these weird ways. And it's slow and it's dense and it's dialogue heavy. Yeah. But at least it, that's, the, that's the kind of movie I like. And it's Aaron talking dialogue, which is just it's so... Yeah. It's like food. It's just so like consumable. And so it's just so watchable. I find it yeah. infinitely watchable, this movie. Every time it's on TV, I'll leave it for a bit. Because it's just... you. It has such great pacing to it and a flow to it. Mm-hmm. And the way... It, the, just the way it moved and it's shot and it's cut and it's... It's just, it's so well done. It's better than it has any right to be considering it's about like Facebook. And yeah, like yeah. I'm with you, I fucking hate Facebook. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. But still, I'm still interested. Years later, I still quote bits from it. Mm-hmm. It's still bits that really stick with me. I mean, we'll go, when we go through it, I'll mention them specifically. But yeah, yeah, it, I'm, I can't believe they pulled it off still. Yeah, it's just incredible though. I think all, just all together. I mean, like you said, Aaron Sorkin, amazing writer. Mm-hmm. It's just, incredible like his 
his writing is so alien yet somehow everyone when you when you you see it and you hear it like it's like you have a translator like you can't speak it there's no way you can speak it but you can hear it and completely understand it but no one talks like that mm-hmm. you know what i mean like it's so no, alien yeah, but yeah. it sounds so fucking good like you know like everyone talked in 10 minute yeah, monologue it's like an american <laughs> hearing french it sounds amazing but i can't fucking i can't do that uh, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> but yeah it's it's amazing um but yeah then you have david fincher who is like one of the best just directors of all time just complete yeah, style man, that, that put me in such a mood yeah of he, like i watched i rewatched it and i was just like oh f- i would forget how fucking good yeah fincher is and uh we immediately watched uh the girl with the dragon tattoo right yeah. after because i hadn't seen it it was the only one of it i hadn't seen mm-hmm. and that was great too so i was just like yeah, yeah man fincher <laughs> is the man yeah, he's just solid. And then you got the cool score, which we'll get into a bit. And then the cast, which we'll also get into a bit. But I mean, it's crazy. It's just like everything works so well. Come um, together so well. Yeah. yeah. So the film is based on the 2009 nonfiction novel, The Accidental Billionaires, The Founding of Facebook, A Tale of Sex, Money, Genius, and Betrayal by Ben Mesrich. I looked up some of Ben Mesrich's <laughs> other uh, pieces of work. And they include the book that became uh, 21, the film 21 uh, in 2008. And then the also, Whitewash 21. <laughs> and then also uh, he's just basically every book he ever writes is kind of all. It's always about these like tech nerds who um, who just scam something <laughs> like in every title. No, you did good. And every title is like really long, like the accidental billionaires, the founding of Facebook, a tell of sex, money, genius, and betrayal. It's just like, cool. So for the purposes of that, if we say it again, we're probably just going to call it the accidental billionaires because that's so much easier. Uh, according to screenwriter Aaron Sorkin, who at the time this came out, had a few good men, the American president and Charlie Wilson's war under his belt. He had completed 80% of the script before he even read the book. Uh, He had received a 14-page book proposal from the publisher who was shopping the book around to to filmmakers ahead of the book's release, just trying to get it made into a film. Uh, Sorkin said, I was reading it, and somewhere on page three, I said yes. It was the fastest I said yes to anything. They wanted me to start straight away. Ben and I were kind of doing our research at the same time, sort of along parallel lines. Uh, Sorkin said that Ben Mesrich didn't send him any materials from his book and that they just met a few times to compare notes and share information. So this is where both Sorkin and Mesrich both have been called out for bending the truth a bit, mainly because uh, <laughs> mainly with just like uh, character traits and stuff like that and just like personalities of all these characters, uh-huh. basically because they were doing the research at the same time the lawsuits were going on. Uh, so they had some factual information with court cases and there seems to be some anonymous sources that would speak, uh, to them who were in on the inside, but they wouldn't really give any names of who these guys were. Sorkin said, what I found Mm -hmm. was that there was two lawsuits that were brought against Facebook at roughly the same time that the defendant plaintiffs witnesses all came into, into a deposition room and swore under oath and three different versions of the story were told. Instead of me choosing one and just deciding that was the truest or choosing one and deciding that that's the juiciest one, I decided to dramatize the idea 
that there were three different versions of the story being told. And that's how I came up with the structure of the deposition room. So he also said that I liked that there were three different uh, and oftentimes conflicting versions of, of the truth. I liked courtroom dramas and I liked Rashomon. So I wanted to tell all three versions. Yeah. I make it very clear to the audience that the facts are in dispute and that the movie continually reminds you that you're listening to a series of unreliable narrators. I actually found that kind of an interesting like sort of take when I was reading all this and doing research and stuff. Like it sounds pretty interesting to kind of play it that way because uh I don't I know you get that a lot, but I think a lot of times you find yourself ha- like kind of having to go with like Eisenberg uh, his account of things mm-hmm. a bit just because he is the star and you kind of like let her let along like as weird as he is and as horrible as he is and like i don't know it's it's crazy <laughs> i it's it's crazy like we'll get into eisenberg in a second but like it's just crazy i can't believe like 10 years ago people that did, didn't just go oh my god mark zuckerberg's a psycho <laughs> <laughs> oh man god yeah rooney marsh should really shouldn't have uh, left him <laughs> uh someone who was a source of, of information though to sorkin was natalie portman she's the movie star right yeah she's reference. a movie star so I she attended so. harvard yeah. from 1999 to 2003 briefly overlapping mark zuckerberg while enrolled, she dated a member of one of Harvard's elite final clubs, which is uh, where a big part of the social network plot came from. Uh, when she heard Sorkin was right in the movie, she invited him over and just gave him some insight. So in the film, during the deposition scenes, when Zuckerberg described as was described as one of the biggest things on campus that included 19 Nobel laureates, 15 Pulitzer Prize winners, two future Olympians, which would have been the Winklevoss twins, and a movie star. And that movie star was Natalie Portman. So that was sort of a <laughs> shout out for her contributions. <laughs> a wink, wink, so nudge, cool. nudge. Wingity wink, nudge. The original plan, though, was to have Sorkin direct the film, which would have been his debut, something that wouldn't actually happen until 2017's Molly's Game. Molly's and, Game, yeah. And he just did a new one, Trial of the Chicago 7. Here we go. Here's some hot news, a hot dish for you guys out there. So... Aaron Sorkin's just directed 2020's The Trial of Chicago 7, which is shown at the PCC from Monday, the 19th of October. What? Tickets are on sale now at PrinceCharlesCinema.com. Yeah, and that's only his second director work. Cool. But as uh, pre-production started to speed up, producer Scott Rudin decided to see if David Fincher was interested in taking the helm. Venture said that he was given the script on a Friday and the next Monday he agreed to come on board only if Sorkin was okay stepping aside, uh, which he was, duh. I mean, because the movie got made. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like you could direct it or it could actually get made. It's up to you, man. <laughs> Your choice. <laughs> the script ended up being 178 pages. Here we go, Phil. The studio told Aaron Sorkin to cut out at least 30 pages, but David Fincher decided to keep all the pages. He told Sorkin to read them all within two hours, and Sorkin seceded. That's why the dialogue in the opening scene starts when the studio's logo is shown. This is a total Fincher move. If you remember back in uh, episode 54 when we were talking about Zodiac, Fincher was told that his script was too long and he decided to just ask the speakers to 
the, sorry, the actors to speak their dialogue faster to make it work. <laughs> so this yeah. literally continued through filming too, because fucking Fincher, man. Um, in the opening scene where Zuckerberg and Erica are Albright are having their fast paced breakup, basically that scene was timed out yeah. at seven minutes and 22 seconds. Uh, Fincher was adamant that that scene was that length as when Sorkin was reading out, (laughs) when Sorkin was reading each of the scenes out uh, for how they sounded in his head uh, to make the two hour time limit, that was how fast he read that scene. So in rehearsal, as the actors were preparing to shoot, Aaron Sorkin explained that David Fincher would be there timing each go of the scene and come back with notes pretty much saying, but this scene is seven minutes and 22 seconds long and you're doing it at seven minutes and 40 seconds. So I don't care how you do it, but you're going to have to talk faster because I promise you this scene plays best at seven minutes and 22 seconds. (laughs) All right. That scene apparently took 99 takes to do. (laughs) Holy shit. I know that thing. And then then a few moments in this movie where I'm like, I know that moment is great because that's probably the hundredth time he had to do it. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like Andrew Garfield smashing the computer. Yeah. He looked so genuinely fed up and upset, and that probably could have done it so many times <laughs> again. And that beginning is again. great because it, yeah, again, it's just like, I mean, it, I, I, I know it must be horrible to actually do and. Could he he think he's doing something else? He's not even worried about performance at that point. He's worried about speed. He can <laughs> yeah. fit the pages in, and like, but it's something to this thing of like, you know, you learn all this dialogue and then you do it enough till it looks like you haven't learnt all this dialogue, and yeah. it comes off completely natural and it's completely reactive, and it's so fast that when it does stop it means something more like when she said, which one is easy, which school and which club is needed to get into or something. And then he stopped, put his drink down and he's like, why would you ask me that? And you could see that hurt him because everything <laughs> yeah. else, he just, he got a fucking smart comeback to everything. Yeah. And it's great. It's great. I love how it ends where he, she just like, uh, I have no intention of being fucking friends with you. I'm just trying to be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so let's get into the cast. Casting began in uh, mid-2009 with Jesse Eisenberg casting the lead as Mark Zuckerberg. Is there anyone more perfect that could have portrayed Mark Zuckerberg? I mean, <laughs> Eisenberg is nah, just like perfect. the perfect amount of weird, and he just nearly pulls off just how <laughs> fucked Zuckerberg is in real life. So <laughs> He pulled off both. I mean, like, he done this fun robot thing. But like, then I can I the way he plays them like I still see a person I still see that like yeah. a really flawed like a deeply insecure person even if he's a complete <laughs> yeah. fucking dick or yeah. just trying very hard to be trying very hard to be a a, a real person because <laughs> he's just a real yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I had never seen Mark Zuckerberg till after. Yeah, I think this is like where he comes off as a bit of an incel at the beginning because. Obviously, I'll, I'll go ahead and say, because we already talked about it a little bit as well before I move on, um, and I'll just skip over it later. Rooney Mara plays Erica Albright. Mm. She's only in it at the very beginning, which is one of the best scenes in the entire film. And then she's back mm-hmm. in, the, in the film a little bit later, 
uh, it's sort of this like, oh, I want to sort of talk to you scene. And then she just like basically tells him fuck off, uh, which is great. It's <laughs> that's what he needed at that yeah. moment as well. Cause he, that's like, real nice, Mark. Yeah. That's real nice. Your cute little project or whatever. <laughs> I'm sure you're very happy. And he's like, we have to go bigger. <laughs> uh, yeah. So basically she's uses the catalyst for this whole thing. And that's kind of where I come off with this whole like incel thing, because She's a completely fake character. She's not real. This is not a real person. This was written in just to sort of dramatize, you know, the uh, the to whole actions the whole or whatever. Thing. But yeah, it, it's it's like it, it's great. It's fine. It maybe because it is Fincher or whatever. He's coming off of that like you know, ten years. Maybe it was just his ten year celebration almost for. Uh, for fight club or something you know he just he's just trying to relive a little bit it was of, like a victory lap yeah he's just trying to relive a little bit of that in seldom but yeah i mean zuckerberg's not like he's not an incel in real life he's just a fucking cyborg he's like he has no actual feelings because he's not real he's just trying to be human um so yeah anyway the role could have could have gone before it went to jesse eisenberg to shia labeouf he was all for the role, but apparently he turned Ooh. it down. Could have been interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm glad I went to to Jesse Eisenberg, but it could have been interesting mm-hmm. as Shia LaBeouf. Another person linked to the role at the same time Shia LaBeouf was linked was the starter Pokemon form of Eisenberg's second form with the eventual final evolved <laughs> form being Andy Samberg. It is... Michael Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, wow, you're right, actually. Yeah. It's like all three <laughs> put together. It's Michael Sarah and wow. then Jesse Eisenberg and then Andy Sandberg. <laughs> That's impressive. They should do like a Spider-Verse thing, but with Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> apparently, apparently they were going to have a joke inside of Zombieland where uh, Michael Sarah was going to be like Jesse Eisenberg's like double or something, but... <laughs> it like never went through or something like I never don't know. Through. I think Michael Sarah was sort of That's offended. Funny. I like Michael Sarah. I I don't know. He's a good. I think he is a good actor. I just feel like mm. it's hard to imagine him uh, doing this role. Yeah. Can he annoy Michael Sarah? Yeah. Yeah. I think he's too sympathetic. Yeah. Yeah. Jesse Eisenberg is just like he's just so good at doing this sort of role. He actually was diagnosed with this obsessive compulsive disorder. And he said in the interview that it was one of the hardest things about the role was having to deliberately speak and behave in a manner that he had struggled against, you know, his own personality with in his entire life, you know, like something Mm -hmm. he was trying to repress in himself to like, just do that because Zuckerberg Mm -hmm. obviously is a bit OCD and in zombie land, this is pretty funny when he was filming zombie land in 2009, Jesse Eisenberg's character said the best part of the zombie apocalypse was not having to worry about updating his Facebook status. So while he was making the film, he had to have the directors and the cast explain to him what a Facebook status was. So he just had no idea. (laughs) And during filming for the social network, he had opened up his own Facebook account for research. Also part of his research, Jesse Eisenberg read a copy of Mark Zuckerberg's college application uh, Zuckerberg's essay focused on the love, his love for fencing. So Eisenberg took a couple of lessons and he quick, quickly realized it affected his posture and the way he moved and applied that knowledge to his portrayal of the character. I remember hearing about that. That's so interesting. Yeah. 
you know, he has a notepad in the film as well, and he's taking notes during the de- deposition scene. Well, that was like Eisen- the only drawing on. <laughs> yeah, that was like Eisenberg's own idea, and it was a part of his way of addressing his own performances after each take. <laughs> ah, that's funny. <laughs> So it's probably just notes about like, yeah, that was shit in that scene. Oh, that scene was good. Yeah, that's not, that's not, <laughs> that's funny. Eisenberg said he only had one problem when he, uh, sorry, one scene that he had a problem with where uh, Mark Zuckerberg is uh, filming his friends jumping in the swimming pool from the rooftop and they break like the, uh, they break the chimney. <laughs> they break the chimney. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he's like, yep, I got it. So originally Zuckerberg, instead of filming it, was supposed to join in as well. And Eisenberg said that he just really couldn't imagine Zuckerberg having that kind of fun. <laughs> but by the time it, it came to film the couldn't. scene, they like uh, had changed the scene around. So he's observing it instead. And he was pretty thrilled with that. <laughs> Which makes more sense. That, it's like that bit, the border, like there's a borderline scene where, you know, they hook up with those girls in the bathroom. Yeah. Um, and it's a little, it's still a little weird, like him doing anything like that. Like, I can't believe that he's going out with Bruni Moore at the beginning. Like, yeah. how, how, how did that happen? <laughs> like, yeah. maybe you could see that as charming at yeah. first, this like kind of robot, borderline autistic guy, you know? It's just like, oh, see, you know, he's so like socially crippled to the point of like being an asshole all the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that makes way more sense. He is the observer. He's the voyeur. Yeah, yeah. The Palmer would have killed this movie. <laughs> ah, the Palmer! Oh, man. I didn't see anything about him being linked to this film. That would have been great. Next time. Eisenberg said of the role, even though I've gotten to be, uh, I've gotten to be in some wonderful films, this character seems so much more overtly insensitive in so many ways that it seems more real to me in the best way. I don't often get cast and uh, sorry, I don't often get cast as insensitive people. So it feels very comfortable, fresh and exciting as if you never have to worry about the audience. Not that I worry about the audience anyway. It should be the furthest thing from your mind. The social networks is the biggest relief I've had. I've ever had in a movie. I kind of feel like he does get cast a bit insensitive sometimes. I mean, <laughs> I yeah, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. I think maybe he's not always the bad guy. I yeah. mean, he was like Luther in yeah, you know, Batman v Superman. But like everything I can remember, I get Zombieland not so much. But like, dude, the squid and the whale. Like, oh man, the squid and the whale. Yeah. Like, but he's like a little punk kid in yeah, it. Yeah, you know? but he is. He is like. He, 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 could, he very easily like could have just gone back to his performance from Squid and the Whale, just looked at how he came off as that character and just applied yeah. it to like a hundred <laughs> as Zuckerberg. <laughs> he likes playing those roles. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe he relates <laughs> to them more. So his friend, Zuckerberg's friend is uh, Andrew Garfield. His only friend in OG Facebook CFO. <laughs> I was Eduardo, your only friend. <laughs> Eduardo Saveron. Um, originally, Garfield asked to audition for the role of Mark Zuckerberg, but Fincher felt that he was better suited for Eduardo because he was good at wearing his heart on his sleeve and to play such an emotionally guarded mm-hmm. character, he needed that. And Garfield felt it helpful to go from reading for Mark 
to reading for Eduardo because he felt that Eduardo was like trying to understand Mark through Mark's point of view. And like, good God, like Andrew Garfield's so <laughs> good in this movie. Like, he's so oh, good. he fucking slaps. He's so good. This is my favorite Andrew Garfield. Yeah, I, I I like Andrew Garfield a lot. He's very likable. Mm. I even like him in. Yeah, and he's a nice guy. Yeah, like I, I like him in the uh, the, the bad Spider-Man movies. I mean, like, like you yeah, know, me too. I he's like him, good in them. but mm. this is his best role. Like in retrospect, sure. I mean, I still haven't seen. Um, I you know, I know I'm gonna catch some flat because I know a lot of people like it, but I still haven't seen. Uh, which I still haven't seen under the under the Silver Lake. Oh man, you should watch it. I think uh, you'd like it. You'd like it. When he came for that, he was super nice. He bought everyone cake. Mm. We got to hang out with him in the office for a bit. I I love him in this movie. I think. I mean, he's playing Andrew Garfield. Yeah, it had all of his like fun little mannerisms. Like you know, like he does the does the and the spinning and like the rubbing his head and like I could do all of them. Like he does them everything, (laughs) but he's so. So good in it, and you're right. I never thought of it like that, but he he is endearing, and he's mm. so sad. So by the end, you, I just feel I've always at the end. I'm like, I feel the most sympathy for that character. I feel like he's completely screwed out of the company. Yeah, and it's crazy unfair. Yeah, and it's like it's it's like you need him and someone like him. Like, I mean, it's smart that. Fincher saw that sort of quality in him because you need someone to find endearing and someone that you can actually enjoy to be mm-hmm. seeing on screen because of how horrible Zuckerberg is. <laughs> like Eisenberg is as Zuckerberg. He's just, he's like such a dick and he seems <laughs> so soulless. You need someone to have soul to like really latch onto because at the end of the day, it starts to come more about Andrew's story of like, you know, him getting sort of duped in to this whole thing. And, you know, he gives all this money. He's like his Mm -hmm. only friend he's trying. And at every turn, like, you know, Mark is just like jealous. There's so much jealousy going on. Like, because he's getting, when he's like punched by the Phoenix and stuff, (laughs) just like getting invited in and story they're trying to create. Yeah. They're trying to insinuate that I was jealous, but you know, at this point you, I could buy the Phoenix club and turn it into my old, ping pong club <laughs> and it's like oh that did not help your fucking yeah. case man <laughs> but then again we have to remember these are all unreliable narrators so we have to maybe maybe you know eduardo was not a exactly good i don't know maybe he was well this movie might be full of shit but that just means that the characters are full of shit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean like i'm not watching it at like a documentary i'm not taking it as historical truth i'm or historical fact but I'm just taking it as a good story that sort of I think there's truth to it yeah but at the end of the day Phil you know what though at the end of the day we know that Facebook is a horrible thing and uh, (laughs) you know I'm tired of getting messages from my mom like I'm tired of my mom tagging me me into like photos and stuff and saying like oh my baby you know like you know it's like come on man not about that yeah, so we off. know at the end of the day that uh, the creator of Facebook and all the people around them are all crappy. 
<laughs> yeah. Did you, you see did that? this, Zuckerberg? You made my mom message me on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're creating uncomfortable family dynamics. <laughs> you. <laughs> I I, re- I read a thing recently where like a uh, Harvard, um, it creating its own social networking site that will be only available to students at Harvard. And someone shared it saying, did Harvard just invent Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> they just did it again. Because like Facebook started yeah, like that, went out, and now they have to do it again. <laughs> the only thing is, the whole idea of them making the Facebook was to be like a final club for just online that everybody can be a part of because like the whole idea was that he wasn't really invited to any final clubs and he was sort of jealous about it but this way he gets to like create his own final club and it's like really exclusive and stuff and then it just goes out to all the colleges and branches off but like you know it's funny that's exactly what these final clubs are though in Harvard I mean they're really just elitist douchey fucking societies and it's sad that like he's absolutely right at the beginning of the film that like you know you're not going to become president of the united states without becoming one of these like elitist final club douchebags (laughs) because like yeah like uh, every single president just is a part of these dumb weird societies um including trump he is part of the deep state and uh another (laughs) thing that uh facebook creates is uh a lot of Fake news, and with that, I would like to call a um, snack time. Snack time. Quarantine. Quarantine. It's snack time. Quarantine. Quarantine. It's snack time. Lockdown. What? 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 Yeah. So, I I'm calling a very quick snack time because I want to open up people's eyes to the fact that they are on Facebook and they need to get maybe not themselves, but their parents off of Facebook because uh, a a lot of fake news is going around, particularly in the variety of um, pizza and uh, pizza gate and uh, it's weird (laughs) link of underground tunnels to pizza parlors around America that leads to all these pedophile rings and stuff that do not exist. Um, so with that, I have gummy zone uh, pizza. Gummy gummy pizza snack. Oh, man. That was a fucking stretch oh. to get to that snack. Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> I've been saving this for like a couple weeks now. Um, and this is the best way to do it. I was like, okay, Facebook. Gummy pizza. That might be good. Pizza gate. Pizza. Uh, not not the two Tom Hanks movies we did. Villapianos. Um, actually, this is way better than I thought it would be. It looks god. Really? Does it taste like pizza? It looks god awful. No, it's uh fruit, fruity flavored. Oh uh, yeah. It looks gross, but <laughs> be honest, it sort of tastes like um Haribo, or actually Nerds, no. but gummy. Pretty good. I'm giving Nerds. it. I'm giving it a three Pardon out of me. five because it ha- it's way better than it has any right to be. Not bad. <laughs> Did you bring right. a snack? That's, this that's week? pretty generous. Yeah, I got a snack. It was actually my snack for last week, but you know, someone, <laughs> someone. I'm not pointing fingers, but the other guy on the podcast, um, you know, forgot 
about snack time. So it went to waste. Anyway, last week, this had nothing to do with the movie either way, mm-hmm. but um, last week uh, we bought a new rug. Ooh. Hooray for us. Um, and the uh, we had to go pick it up from Ikea because the delivery charges were more than the rug. So we would have paid double the amount just to get the rug here. So took a bus, went over there, went to Ikea, and you know the best thing about Ikea is the food. Swedish meatballs. Is them Swedish meatballs. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not what I that's not what I got. They also have hot dogs. The ch- no, <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> they have these little little bitty chocolates called Dame. Oh yeah, Dame. Or Dime, dime. or whatever. Dame. Dime. I think it's Dime, dime even, Bar. Well, I'm gonna say Dame. Um <laughs> it's like you know, Haim the band. <laughs> I think it's Haim, but I prefer Haim. Yeah, so I'm too. gonna keep calling it that. <laughs> um and these, and usually you can get them at a regular sort of bar in mm-hmm. most places. But IKEA, they do these like Rolo version, Ooh. which are even better, yeah. infinitely better. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear it, but nah, a little bit. I think we both have very silent snacks today. What do you give them? Uh, um, out of five, out of five Facebook thumbs up. I'll give it four and a half. Wow, not bad. And I'm taking I'm taking half a point because they're like two moreish. Two moreish. You want to eat them? Do you you eat them? They come they come in like a long roll and there's like twenty pizzas in them and you <laughs> eat them in one go. Well, Phil, uh, I don't know if this snack time is going to make it into the podcast as well. I might just cut it out. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> why do i try hey, phil speaking of snacks uh being a treat right so a rare treat for this podcast garfield andrew garfield and jesse eisenberg actually ended up becoming good friends during filming oh uh, according to eisenberg the dramatic rivalry between the characters was hard for their the two of them because it affected them so much emotionally that they just sort of bonded really hard <laughs> so yeah there was no uh That's cute. non-sanctioning of buffoonery going on here uh <laughs> <laughs> all right moving on next we have justin timberlake as napster founder jt facebook president sean parker uh is this like Justin Timberlake's best role. Yeah. Like, and I like Timberlake as an actor. I think he's actually surprisingly Yeah, he's not like, bad. Good actor. Yeah. He's funny and he can do dramatic stuff yeah. really well. Um, this is my favorite. I kind of like him in Black Snake Moan. He's like he's trying, <laughs> you know, it's early on in his career. He was trying. Yeah. He's not bad. I still hate Southland Tells. I think it's just a bad movie, so I can't get over that. Like, Richard Kelly's a hack. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then, like, Alpha Dog is a really good one. If yeah. I'd recommend that one. Um, he's good in bad movies. I mean, In Time wasn't good, but he's good in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I saw a lot of stuff about him being actually pretty, pretty good in, um, was it Friends with Benefits or something like that? Or some, something like uh, that. Like, hit- yeah, yeah, he had one is friends with benefit. The other one is no strings attached. Or is it? Or, or is he around. in no? He, he's in no strings attached. Right? <laughs> one second, we do this all know, the time. And the this movie. is getting left in because we've done this before already. 
No, okay, no yeah. strings attached is the Ashton Kutcher one, right? Yeah. Yeah, with Natalie Portman. Dude, it's the same movie. It's Mila it's Kunis. It's the same movie. Mila Kunis and, uh, and Justin Timberlake, Friends with Benefits. It is literally the same movie, it, especially the, the pictures and the posters and stuff. Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he's, he's pretty good in this. He's a paranoid drug addict, like, and actually really believable, I know. Yeah, because he probably and he had just my really was it. Yeah, and think you know, word. You know, there's an in sync song playing in the background of this as well, which was pretty funny. Sorry, <laughs> that I no no no, you're right, but I hate I, I kind of don't like when stuff like that is in the movie. <laughs> like, like okay, okay, this is the best example. In Friends, uh, Joey Chandler and Russ love Die Hard. They're obsessed with Die Hard. Yeah. And then Bruce Willis guest spots on the show as yeah. Russ's girlfriend's dad. And none of them are like, he's not playing Bruce Willis, but <laughs> yeah. none of them are like, Die Hard exists in this world. And none of them are like, you look just like John McClane. Or does their Bruce Willis look completely different? You know what I mean? It's too much to think about. Yeah. I don't like that. You know what else happened? <laughs> Eisenberg, later in the film, was seen towards, I think it's towards the end of the film, wearing an Arm & Hammer shirt. Oh, yeah. And it's, um, isn't that what, like, Army Hammond family, right? Yeah, that's what the the rumor is. But, um, no. <laughs> anyway, uh, Timberlake originally, you know, before he got the role, it could have been Jonah Hill cast as Sean Parker, which would have been insanely good. I think, I think it would have been great. very good, very good. Yeah. But mind you, this is 2010 Jonah Hill, uh, pre money, pre Wolf of Wall Street, pre Wolf of Wall Street, pre Moneyball. Oh man, Moneyball. And Fincher ultimately decided he wasn't right for the role and he cast Timberlake instead. I think Jonah Hill could have really fucking killed it. I think the big thing that went against him really early on in his career probably was his weight. Like, that's the only thing I can Mm. think because Jonah Hill is fucking amazing and Hollywood has been so shitty to him, like, about his weight. Uh, As a big person myself, I feel it for him when I see it and I, like... I don't know, man. Like, it sucks because he's such a good actor, and I—I I think he's an amazing director too. I've I rewatched Mid Nineties again the other night. Uh, Dude, I, I fucking love Mid Nineties. So you know good. I—I I hope he directs some more. And he's just cool, mm. man. He's got a cool vibe about him and him talking about the film and stuff. I don't know. He's just a cool guy. Mm. And I hate that Hollywood yeah. has been so shitty to him about his weight. I mean, even to the point where like Brad Pitt. Like, I get it. Like, yeah, you're going to do better. And he did do better. And people start taking him a little bit more seriously when he lost a lot of weight and stuff. But, like, it's just shitty. Yeah, and jump street. and treated treat it that way. You didn't have to. Like, yeah. and he constantly fluctuating because of that, depending on what the demands are from him. But he's great. Yeah. I think he would have killed it. I think, yeah, yeah, I think it was probably just a look thing. Yeah. Um. So Timberlake lost 15 to 17 pounds for this role in the movie. It's not because he was asked to. It was he apparently did it because he felt it make made it making himself look skinnier would make him look younger because he obviously was a lot older than the character that he was playing. But Fair enough. He still looks like a baby face anyway, even to t- 
to this day. I, <laughs> he's still yeah. Around. I don't. I didn't watch it. I don't watch it. And I'm like, oh, he's way too old for this. Yeah, he, yeah. About, he's yeah. like dead on, and he doesn't. He, right. he doesn't kind of look like the guy, um, the Napster guy, fucking Sean Parker. He had yeah. my favorite theme in this movie, and I think yeah. about it often. I love it so much. I love just. I love the actual content of the scene and I love the choice of where to put it. And it's the Victoria's Secret scene. Yeah. <laughs> where he where he's telling Mark the history or the story of the guy who founded Victoria's Secret, sold it for nothing, it becoming super valuable, and then him killing himself. Um, and they're doing it at a club and he's yelling over the music, yeah. telling yeah. them the story. And then at the end, uh, Jesse Eindeberg is like, is that a parable? <laughs> And it just, I, lo- I just love that scene. Like it gives yeah. me goosebumps when I watch it. I don't know. And it's just the way Timberlake done it, performed it. It kind mm. of thumbs up the whole movie. I, I think it's so great. I think he, if nothing else, he had that moment. Yeah. And I had, you know, the, the biggest, con- the biggest contribution really he had to Facebook in the name. Yeah. Yeah. Get rid of the, the, the it's cleaner. <laughs> cleaner. Yeah. You know what it's called? You. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, that scene, though, I, I was looking up some stuff about it, and it, apparently that scene was done like they were literally having to shout over this loud fucking music in the nightclub. And uh, by the Perfect. end of it, I think they both lost their voices, but they even still had to overdub the, uh, <laughs> the, the audio. They couldn't hear it. Just because it was so loud in there. So they had to redo that, all the lines and stuff anyway. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Uh, Timberlake was one of the few cast members to actually have met his counterpart as Fincher forbade them to do so during filmmaking. So Sean Parker said that he met Timberlake and Timberlake tried to get to know him better. But Parker said that he wouldn't help him because the Parker from Aaron Sorkin script had little to do with a real person. (laughs) Oh, I mean, fucking they all say that. And because they all would, because the film is not a fucking good, doesn't shine the most positive (laughs) light. I know, could I know Mark Zuckerberg had talked about the authenticity. And I Mm. think the only thing he mentioned was like the drink. Even the drink wasn't right. We'll we'll get to some more of their feelings. I have a little spill at the end, but, uh, but Sean Parker, I don't, I don't think I did really write much down about him because I, I wasn't really seeing a lot. But I mean, he he did say that like basically like that's not him, and a lot of people who know him actually said the same thing that that's really just not him. He wasn't like, I think a lot of the things that happened, obviously like the cocaine thing and all that sort of shit, was real, and that's where these stories come from because they did they yeah. did happen. They were actual facts that were going on when in public knowledge because when someone gets arrested mm-hmm. you, in America you can it's public record you can find that shit out and um, yeah. but it was just like the way he was being portrayed wasn't as flattering as he actually was in real life uh, which like you said all, all the actors are going to say that but I mean looking a little bit more into Sean Parker he probably doesn't seem as bad as he comes off in the film in real life probably that yeah yeah but who's gonna like the guy who created napster i mean and now he's like one of the boards of spotify like he's he's someone who like who a lot of people aren't gonna like because he's basically giving away shit for free like and the music industry would hate someone like that so of course a lot of people yeah okay what do you think and as a musician what's your stance on like napster and all of that 
Um, I have my opinion, but it's different. It's, yeah. it's coming, like, I just think the way we consume music has changed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, musicians have always been kind of screwed out of their money. Yeah. Regardless of record sales. But what do you think? Do you think Napster's, like, that destroyed the music industry? No, I mean, like, I think it was just, like, uh, it was the scapegoat. Because at the end of the day, I think record companies and stuff are the ones who are really screwing over musicians and stuff. And I think, uh, mm. yeah, like it doesn't help if your fucking album gets leaked, like leaked out. But at the same time, like you, I don't know, like there's just no, I think fans, if they really enjoy a musician are going to like support them in ways. And I think go to shows, buy a t-shirt, whatever. artists, yeah. Artists need to, be smarter about how to market themselves instead of relying on fucking record labels that don't give a shit about them and take all their money and take all the like rights to all their music and all that sort of stuff. So they're not making money anyway. And Spotify doesn't help things when, you know, they're basically giving all the shit out for free and they, they aren't paying artists properly. That's the big thing right now. I think Spotify is a big, a big thing. I think Spotify should be paying people a little bit more you're only getting pennies mm. for every like million listens you have, Dream, which is yeah. bull crap. Like you should literally get a, get paid properly for like the music that's getting played on their services, especially if you have to pay to put it on there. So like you should be getting money. Back. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm a big fan of things like Bandcamp. That's a really good service, especially right now. Like every, you know, uh, first Friday of the month, they've been during like the pandemic, they've been hooking up bands and not taking fees away from them. So, you know, there's there's other outlets out there uh, that you can use, you know, but anyway, let's move on. Army Hammer. Uh, Arm yeah, Hammer. the fucking Lone Ranger, bro. <laughs> <laughs> out of all the films, the Lone Ranger. Uh, <laughs> Dude, I love the Lone Ranger. <laughs> Arm, Army Hammer is the Harvard Connection founders, the twins Winklevi, Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss. <laughs> I completely forgot that Army Army Hammer was in this film and that he played both of he played the, the twin, twins. Yeah. In an effect that kind of aged well and yeah. not aged well. <laughs> yeah. Some scenes look amazing, some scenes look god awful. Yeah. So Army Hammer, he played both twins, right? But did he? Because Ralph Lauren model and actor Josh Pence actually acted as a body double for Army Hammer Ooh. during scenes. <sighs> with both twins on screen. And this is probably why it would look really good at times. I think at times it probably looks a bit strange just because of what they did. Army Hammer would film the scenes as one of the twins, and then he would swap places and film the other twin, and then they would just digitally paste Army Hammer's face over Pence's body. And that's kind of how that whole Mm -hmm. thing worked out. And during the 10 months of production, Army Hammer and Josh Pence had to train with an acting coach to nail down the character's complimentary body language and what was described as twin boot camp. <laughs> the thing with their character, though, like, okay, it only looks weird when there's lots of movement. So, yeah. like, the bit I would think it's weird, like, when they're in, because they're rowers, right? They're Olympic yeah. rowers. So, when they're in the boat and one of them is moving like usually the one in the background is moving quite a lot like back and forth toward camera it looked really weird because the face isn't quite matching <laughs> yeah. with the rest of the body <laughs> but 
it looked like throughout the film that they uh, try left and left because I feel like one of the Winklevoss twins keep getting more and more like uh, accessories put on his head. So it's like <laughs> yeah. a hat or like a sweatband or like sunglasses. They just keep covering more of his face up so they don't have to CGI his face on yeah. him anymore. And they Especially just have the voice. Like those over the camera shoulder shots. Like I'm just mm. like, and you only see like sort of the side of his head. You can't even see his face at all. Like, I think that's just yeah. Josh Pence. They didn't even try at all. <laughs> oh no, yeah. definitely not. Yeah. Because I'm like, that's definitely not army. Hammer. Yeah. Because I think the thing was when Josh Pence came on to do the role, David Fincher was telling him like, yeah, if you, you know, want to, you know, you want to be in this film, uh, just so you know, I'm going to basically have you there. You're going to be like doing everything. You're going to have to learn all the lines because you're going to have to act out with Army Hammer. But the thing is, when it comes mm. time, I'm going to cut your head off and put Army Hammer's head on top of your body. And he was just sort of like, yeah, great, cool. So, yeah, he was doing all these things. So obviously they would have shot all these scenes and sort of stuff and just, you know. It definitely would have just been his head at times, and they're just like, fuck it, leave it. <laughs> it's fine though. For yeah. 10 years ago, it maybe has aged a little bit, it but worked. it's not that bad. It did not take me out of the film no, at all, no. really. Um, it, no. you know, it's, it's kind of funny to find someone. I think he was really struggling, David Fincher, to find someone, uh, like a set of twins that could act that wore six foot five and just like. <laughs> Feel yeah. like a brick shit house, like Army that, Hammer is. So, you know, it's yeah, kind of what, that weren't what just the Winklevoss twin. <laughs> yeah. So Army Hammer was forced to eat a lot of junk food though to keep his weight up because all the rowing he had to do for the that film made him to lose like too much weight otherwise. And uh, Army Hammer and Josh Pence are another set of people who met the real life characters, but it, I think it was after filming they met the real Winklevoss uh-huh. twins. Uh, the twins enjoyed Hammer and Pence's performance so much they attended a couple of screenings of the film with them. <laughs> just really cool, yeah. That's it's funny. Cute. I read into their background a little bit more. Those motherfuckers are still suing people. They're always suing. It seems like they get out of a lawsuit, uh, yeah. they start suing again. So whatever. That's what but I mean. They like, seem kind of funny. Anyway. They seem funny. I mean, they're the only characters I don't really like. I enjoy the extra subplot and extra narrative, but I don't give a fuck about the Winklevoss twins in this movie. <laughs> I'm like, fuck you. You yeah. guys are just so like trying to ride this guy's coattail and just yeah. trying to get the money out of it. Yeah. You, you know, like exactly like he said, if you'd, if you'd have invented Facebook, you would have invented Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> like you guys just fuck off. Yeah. But saying that I enjoy them and I enjoy Army Hammer. <laughs> Really enjoy Army Hammer for some reason. I think it's just because I, I have quite a, like a lot of affection for the Lone Ranger. I'm always like, ah, yeah, like that's the guy from no, Lone no, Ranger. He's, he's very likable. I like Army Hammer like, a lot as well. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. fun. And then like, sorry to bother you and loads of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, call me by your name, bro. <laughs> there, there we go. go. That's the obvious there one. Go. Um, so the Winklevoss twins weren't the only people though that uh, Army Hammer and Josh Pence met. As on the DVD commentary, they recounted that they met the real Diva Narinda, who is the Winklevoss's partner, who is played by Max Minghella in the film. They took mm-hmm. the real Divya to meet Max, and they told Divya to pretend he had an Indian accent because he is like of Indian descent. And that's because Max Minghella had been freaking out, wanting his portrayal to be accurate as possible. So Divya, Divya was like... <laughs> Yeah, cool, whatever. And he played along. And Army Hammer said that Max just turns white 
and he just starts going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> he apologized to him for like 30 minutes. It's so fucked up, man. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, man. All right, so some of the other casts in the film, quickly, I'll get through them and move on. Uh, we have Wendy Wu, Homecoming Warrior, a.k.a. London Tipton. Uh, Brenda Song as uh, Christy Lee. Really awesome to see her in a non-Disney film. She's a great actress. Always likes yeah, Brenda Song movie. a lot. And she's really good. Yeah, she's crazy as shit in yeah. this movie, though. <laughs> Until they make her crazy, which is a very uh, incel thing. So, yeah, here we go. Adding more to the incel. Uh, Rashida Jones is lawyer Marilyn Delpy. So, also... Yeah, awesome. I forget. I like Rashida awesome. Jones. Completely forgot that she was in this. We already mentioned Rooney Mara mm. is Erica Albright. We have Joseph Timmy from Jurassic Park. Mazzello as yeah. the Facebook co-founder Dustin Moskovitz. He doesn't do much in this film. He's mm. just kind of like in the background helping out. But yeah. But he know. does instigate again one of the biggest things where he's like, you know, you know that girl in your class? Uh, do you happen to know if she had a boyfriend? Do you happen to know if she's looking for a boyfriend? And Mark Dugerberg is just like half asleep. He's like, dude, I don't know. People don't walk around with a sign. And then he's like, shit. Oh, shit. My Bob. <laughs> shit, run. I have to run. Even though I have a laptop here, I could do it here. Yeah. I have to allow people to have relationship statuses. Oh, uh, man. I completely yeah. forgot about that. Everybody wants it, to know. It, it wasn't. Because now you still have the relationship status thing on Facebook, but originally when Facebook first started, and it made me remember, I completely forgot because I got rid of this. Is the interested in was a very big part of it. Like they might still yeah, sort of yeah. have that on the page, but I, just, I think it's there, I think but I think it's hidden, hidden a little bit. Yeah, it's so yeah. funny. Like oh uh, shit, you used to be like interested weird. in men, women, but you forget. <laughs> Yeah, but you forget how big of a selling point that was for Facebook because people just used that shit for stalking and crashing, right? <laughs> yeah. At least not in high school. Yeah, definitely. And like, yeah, it's an easy way to find out if they're <laughs> seeing anyone and a way to yeah. look at their pictures without you know without them knowing. And that's so just, creepy. It's all. But it's great. Creepy. It's very Freudian. <laughs> it's all Freudian, and it's great. It's like people don't want to admit how much of their action are dictated by sex and stuff. At least at that. <laughs> Age, yeah. at least when you're young. Yeah. In in college, I mean that. I think even it, when you're old as fuck as well. I mean, like you know, I'm not gonna act like like I don't think my dad got a Facebook account when he was like 56 to like go stalk <laughs> old people that he used to like when he was younger and just see if they're still alive. <laughs> yeah, I made. <laughs> That's funny. I'm getting to that point where now, like the only, like I go on Facebook and I'm like, oh, let me actually like look for, I wonder what this person's doing. Yeah. Like, wow. It's like I've become, I used to be that person. Yeah. And now I'm become the old person yeah. just looking to reconnect with people online. Not even to reconnect someone, like someone you went to high school with, like a random name pops into your head and you're like, oh yeah. Yeah. That guy. Like, I want to look and see what he's I doing. If he's now. still an asshole. He's a Trump supporter. Fuck. <laughs> God damn it. He's a Tory. Fuck. Oh man. Dakota Johnson is in this film. Again, another person that I completely just forgot was in this film as Amelia yeah. Ritter. There's a snake in here, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> She's uh, the girl Sean Parker discovers Facebook through. We have a Bill Gates impersonator, Steve Sires, playing Bill Gates. He is a legit Bill Gates impersonator. 
a lot of people thought it was actually Bill Gates, but it was not. <laughs> yeah. Another blink and you miss some cameo sort of thing is Caleb Landry Jones. He basically appears as one of the random sort of like, I don't know, frat guys or whatever. who's just hanging around in one of the dorm rooms. Uh, and then mm. you also have Aaron Sorkin appearing as an ad executive. Uh, when Yeah, what is this guy? <laughs> just randomly in the film. And this was due to David Fincher's insistence that he do it for some reason. No idea. He didn't want to do it, but Fincher was like, do it. And then the bit where uh, Jesse Eisenberg is just sat there making noise. And yeah. Go he's on. like. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, what is that? And he's like, that a. Yeah. And he's like, it's not, you know, whatever. What was he just doing? So in that uninterested. So weird. Yeah, just sat there in his robe and it yeah. fucking fuck you flip flop. <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, Tyler Durden made a cameo in this film, sort of. Yeah, I know this. It was in that scene where Zuckerberg's checking Facebook to cheat on a test. Uh, at the top of the page, you can see his profile name is Tyler Durden. <laughs> I love an that incel. they love that He's they, an incel. That they <laughs> confirmed. <laughs> I love that they threw that in as if that like the the worst thing he did was cheat on his fucking aunt. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. dropped out. Yeah. Did not finish. But then again, he's only 36 to you know today, and that makes me feel like a piece of shit. So <laughs> yeah. I'm only hating because I've done nothing. I will do nothing. Rich. I mean, that's the ultimate legacy of Mark Zuckerberg. It's the generation of kids who think they can drop out of college just because he did, and if any of them are as yeah. smart as he was. When I was a kid, I thought it was great to like not finish high school because Jim Carrey didn't. Now these kids want to be like, oh, I'm dropping out of college to become an entrepreneur. I was like, what happened to just being like a funny fuck and become a comedian, you know? Well, exactly. I that's what to do we're doing. Kid. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, I finished high school, and uh, it's too late for me now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> too deep <laughs> principal photography for this film begin, began in uh, October of 2009 but they weren't allowed to film at Harvard as the school banned all commercial filming after 1970's love story shot there and it was there was a lot of damage on campus <laughs> a lot of fucking <laughs> I don't know what was going on on that set that there could be so much <laughs> damage but i did look up there was someone in the film and i was like it was probably that guy um because i forget yet who it was uh oh yeah it's tommy lee jones i think it was like john belushi tommy, ah, tommy there lee jones go. he uh with it all hit uh, buffoonery yeah there was a lot of buffoonery that you know he was sanctioning back then and uh yeah kind of got wild um but yeah to get around this the social network crew shot at uh shot the harvard scenes at john hopkins Hopkins University in Maryland and two prep schools, Phillip Academy Andover and Milton Academy in Massachusetts. But Fincher did manage to sneak in some of Harvard's architecture into the film because in the scene where we were talking about like Jesse Eisenberg goes running across Harvard Square when he gets that crazy idea about the relationship mm. status. Um, he runs across Harvard Square and that's not technically Harvard property so he was allowed to film there. But some of the nearby arches that are on school property can be seen in the background. And uh, in order to do that, Fincher got the lighting he needed for the scene by hiring a street mime to roll a cart with lights on the on on 
<laughs> on it into the campus, like just to get the enough lighting. And they were worried, like if if security guard came and kicked him out or whatever, that the the street mind just wouldn't say anything. And by the time you know he got kicked out anyway, they would have gotten the shot. <laughs> <laughs> dumb, uh, like what a Fincher, dumb weird idea. Genius. I like to say, oh, cool, yeah, he could get the, you know, he could get that shot. But I'm sure he probably still took 155 takes. I mean. (laughs) Yeah, he's like doing guerrilla stuff, stealing stuff, but he's still there for like nine hours, you know. (laughs) How did he not get caught? (laughs) So for the Social Network's main poster, designer Neil Kellerhouse made Jesse Eisenberg's face the main focal point. We've all seen it. You've probably seen it 10 billion times over it. It's superimposed. The memorable tagline, I've already said it before, you don't get 500 million friends without making a few enemies. But originally, the text read 300 million friends, but it was changed under the assumption that Facebook would hit half a billion users in time for the movie's October 2010 release. And did it? Kellerhouse said that we were really hedging our bets, but we scooped them on their own story right before the film was coming out. They got 500 million members. So we got their publicity as well. It worked out super serendipitously. <laughs> That's mm. awesome, man. That's really, that's really cool. I mean, and that's, a, that's a great tagline. I mean, I remember the marketing for this movie really being really cool. Like yeah. the tagline, the poster. But also, I mean, it got a great soundtrack. We'll get into it. But yep. then the song in the trailer, they don't, I don't think they used in the movie, which is a like a children's choir version of Creep by Radiohead. Yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. amazing. I don't remember it being in the movie, but I, I remember don't think it was, seeing yeah. the trailer. I remember seeing the trailer and being like, that's cool. That's yeah. Like, really worked for it. Yeah, the trailer was like, uh, I remember that coming out and that was a big thing. And I think even some of the people who like, uh, are the people who the film is about were like, dude, the trailer hits it. The trailer is where it's at. Like the trailer gets it right. But it's just like when you actually put the film on, that's where it's like, well, well. Well, I would disagree. But, you know. <laughs> I thought this was super cool. So I put it in. You can think about this next time you uh, watch the film and maybe try it out to see if it's true. So when Facebook hits its 1 million members in the film, the number is 1 million and 46. That's what appears on the screen when Sean Parker asked for a refresh. You know that scene? Like he goes, hey, refresh. Yeah. And then it just pops up and it's past a million. So it's 1 million and 46. And that number mm-hmm. corresponds with the running time of the movie of one hour, 46 minutes and 46 seconds, apparently. Really? Yeah. No, the movie's it. longer. Than, oh, like at that time. At that time code, Like in yeah. that thing. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> I don't know if wow. that's true, but apparently producers purposely chose that number to correspond with the running time. Fucking weird. <laughs> next time you watch it someone someone verify it. i don't feel like it. doing it myself so uh listeners out there let us know i'm mentioning at the pc i'm podcast. imagining if they did it in dead editing you would yeah like if the number's not actually there on that then you do it in editing later you just put the number whatever number it is yeah and you can be like where are we at 146 yeah whatever that yeah number. it's past a million so it's like whatever the number is <laughs> <It works. laughs> we know it's gonna be an hour into the film at least yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we mentioned the film score it's by trent Reznor and atticus ross yeah. officially kicking off the duo's film composition career trent Reznor had been doing some stuff 
for other films before. But David Fincher had asked him to take part in this film, and initially he declined as he was just finished touring and recording, and he wanted to take some time off, and he wanted to work on some new stuff that he was working on with Atticus Ross. And uh, he was taking some time off, and he was like, oh, I'm going to focus on this. And then he got given the script, and he read it, and he was just like, yeah, goodbye to that time off. I'm going to have to do this. And uh, he hit up Atticus Ross because he had been working with him previously and they were on a creative role in music projects. So he was just like, all right, come on board. Let's jump in. Let's do this. And the rest is history. They're now one of the biggest, like most like respected film composers, like Compared. modern film composers right now. I feel like if you know Trent Reznor oh, and Atticus Ross are going to do a fucking soundtrack, it's going to be tight. Like, you just know it's going to be good. Yeah, I mean, they did all of the... They've done all, every Fincher movie didn't... No sure Network. Mm-hmm. And they've all been great. And didn't they do... Uh, I wanted... I've, like, they did Westworld, and I wanted they Watchmen yep. as well. Yep. The soundtrack for both, and they're incredible. It's just that great, like, partnership. You know how, like, your PTA had Johnny Greenwood? Yeah. And David Fincher had Trent Redner? I just, they're just it's perfect for each other. Absolutely. Yeah, they're just, like, just work so well. This soundtrack's really good. It's uh, got a lot of good moments to it. It sounds like they're being really creative when they were making it, like, just messing with timings of things. And uh, uh, they released, like, a five track EP when it first came out as well. It was just like really good marketing behind it as well. And I think that's just really what helped. Uh, so the film was released in October, 2010 debuting at number one and grossing $22.4 million in its opening weekend. Ultimately it would go on to make 224.9 million worldwide on a $40 million budget, which is crazy. Not bad. It was critically acclaimed. Holding a to this day a ninety six percent fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and it ended a banger. Up, I said it already. <laughs> and it ended up being on a lot of the top top films of two thousand tens list. It's often regarded as one of the top films of the decade and also of the twenty first century thus far. The film was nominated for eight Oscars, including Best Picture. It won three for Best Adapted Screenplay for Aaron Sorkin, Best Editing and Best Original Score for Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. First time, like, composing a film together. And Out they won the a gate. fucking Oscar. Yeah. And they won a Golden Globe as well. Eisenberg yes. and Garfield were both nominated for Best Actor and Supporting Actor, and Fincher for Best Director. The film also won four Golden Globes, three BAFTAs, and countless other awards. So, yeah. Fucking <laughs> loved. Um... I feel like just over time, it's just one of those films just as a whole that just ages as it gets like older and older. Like, you know, we're 10 years mm-hmm. later and it's just like, fuck yes, man. What a great film. <laughs> so good. Don't work. Yeah. Uh, it was funny because Julia like hadn't seen it all the way through and she tried to oh. watch it uh, a few months back, maybe like, I don't know, six months ago. I can't remember she was trying to watch it and she was just like, oh, I just wasn't getting into it. And then um, we sat down and we watched it the other night and she was just like, I get it now. <laughs> like, I think, I don't know, maybe she wasn't paying attention it. is what she was saying. She, I don't think I was paying attention when I yeah, first yeah. sat down to watch it. And I think that's the thing. You can't just, you can't be looking at your phone or like not 
paying yeah, attention no, to this because be the dialogue will leave you behind. It's really fast and yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I find it oddly comforting. It just, <laughs> it's kind of, it's just such a, I don't know, I've seen it so many times now and I just, I like the way it feels and moves and sounds like I said before. Mm-hmm. And it, it's so quick and it, it's got that like moody green and yellow, like Fincher aesthetic. And it's just like, it's almost sleepy. Like I've fallen asleep to it quite a few times. Yeah. And that's nothing you think of the movie. It's more, it's like, I want something good to put on and I'm so comfortable in it that I can fall asleep to it, which is a weird thing to say yeah. about social network. But honestly, <laughs> it, it's so, it's so good. It's yeah. such a good movie. Yeah. Really like good. I just saw it and I'm like, I kind of want to watch it again. Like <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah. I, I get a hankering every few months and I'll put it on. <laughs> I definitely want to like not give it as long of a, as a time between space. seeing it and long, long of a space between, because like, I definitely don't think I saw it all the way through at least anyway, like since it came out, which I think I saw it in cinemas. I'm mm. trying to remember exactly. It's 10 years is a long time, I man. Didn't. It's a long time. <laughs> yeah. I definitely didn't see it in the cinema. I don't remember the first, I don't remember the first time seeing it at all which is weird it must have just been on tv mm. i must have just caught it randomly um yeah. uh yeah it's just so strange it's, it's that which is it's one of those things you can't really do anymore you don't really sit around and watch tv you sit around on netflix and you don't really watch anything new you watch something you've seen a hundred times like the social network <laughs> yeah. well we've heard our reactions we've heard the critics reactions what about facebook's reaction to the movie <laughs> there we go so facebook had a lot of requirements in order to participate because originally they were kind of maybe gonna no. give their blessing early on and all that sort of thing so fincher sat down with Time Out in the lead up to the academy awards in 2011 to discuss the film and revealed that producer scott rudin had a series of conversations with facebook during pre-production that ultimately fell through due to the company's requirements fincher said they had a list of dozens of a dozen requirements for their participation. And the first two were, it can't take place at Harvard, which might've been because of Harvard's requirements mm. of no filming anyway. And sure. that you can't call it Facebook. So Rudin, <laughs> who is, this is what Fincher said. So Rudin, who is not a dumb guy, just said that the discussions didn't need to go any further. We're going to make a movie about the litigation as the depositions are all a part of public record and we can glean from them the drama we need to make our film, which is basically how the film got made. <laughs> yeah, very yeah. fucking smart. And then Social Network get a way better title. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Later in the conversation, uh, David Fincher revealed that the representatives from Facebook attended an early screening and were appropriately appalled by what they saw in the finished product. <laughs> well, this isn't what we thought it would be at all. <laughs> Zuckerberg has stated that I wish that nobody made a film about me while I was still alive. And when, <laughs> when the film came out, Zuckerberg took some Facebook employees to see the film and he wasn't impre- impressed. He didn't think it was an accurate portrayal of him. He called out its hurtful <laughs> inaccuracies specifically citing the fictional Rooney Mara character uh, that's used as his motivation for founding the website. 
He said he didn't make Facebook to get girls, and he spent most of his prior six years working really hard and encoding Facebook. He made Facebook because he enjoyed building things. Well, you know, of course you're going to say that. You're just trying to, uh, you know, make yourself look good. But then again, like I said, yeah. he didn't make Facebook. That's it's probably true. Like, I think this film makes Zuckerberg look a lot like an incel. But as we said earlier, I think he's just a fucking cyborg trying to fit in. <laughs> I mean, look at that face. There's nothing there. <laughs> There's nothing going on. Nothing Does not there. compute. Does not compute. Yeah. <laughs> Even he admits that there were some details that were spot on. He said, it's interesting what stuff they focused on getting right. Like every single fleece and shirt I had in that movie <laughs> is and actually a shirt or fleece that I own. And literally, they studied dozens of photos of him to get his outfits right. It's just gap hoodies and shit. Yeah. <laughs> Facebook co-founder Dustin Moskovitz called the film a dramatization of history. It's interesting to see my past re- rewritten in a way that emphasizes things that didn't matter, like the Winklevosses, who I still have never even met and had no part in the work of what we did to create the site over six over the past six years. And it leaves out things that really did, like the many other people in our lives at the time who supported us in innumerable ways. Well, they weren't six foot six Adonises, were they? You know? Yeah, doing <laughs> the shit out of you. Of course you didn't, Liam. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> I mean, he should shut up, dude. You were lucky to be by, played by that kid. Yeah, by the kid from, the kid Jurassic, from Jurassic Park. Park. Fucking lucky. Yeah. He's lucky one. to be played by the kid from Star Kid. I mean, come on. Oh <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't agree with any people. I'd be incredibly flattered if anyone made a movie about me. Yeah. Especially if I was still alive. And even if they made me look like the biggest prick, I'd be like, oh my god, they said my name. <laughs> and you know, like, oh my god, it's that guy trying to pretend to be me. Yeah. And I definitely did wear all, you know, that black sweater every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, co-founder Eduardo Saverin said the uh movie was clearly intended to be entertainment and not fact-based documentary. Fair enough. Have none of these people seen a movie? Like they're, all they all they reviewed are essentially just describing what a movie is. Yeah, and also, I mean, he should shut up. He's the one that comes off the most likable in this film. So you know, exactly, shut up, bro. But he can't say anything. He definitely signed an NDA like yeah. ten years ago, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. he got like an undisclosed settlement. Shut yeah. up and leave the yeah. company. Jesus, yes. Yeah, the Winklevoss twins. I mean, they got like a shit ton of money plus Facebook stocks. I mean, come on, you know. Yeah. Uh, Severin and Zuckerberg, though, they were were both really interested in how the film might inspire entrepreneurs and startups because they mm. were basically saying that like they had countless people after this film came out, you know, come up to them or try to get in touch with them, asking about like how they can start their own thing and blah blah blah. But at the end of the day, I want to say this. Fuck that. Uh, <laughs> fuck uh, these people with that aren't entrepreneurial bullshit based <laughs> off the of technology. Uh, fuck influencers and fuck Facebook. And that's how I'm ending this. Fuck Facebook. No, good. In the immortal <laughs> words of James Taylor, fuck Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's it. That's his social network. Uh, 
<laughs> I love the social network, but fuck Facebook. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Um, that's my final thought. That's my final thought. My final thought is we should have never told our parents about Facebook. We should have never given them goddamn iPhones and told them about applications and showed them Facebook and helped them get accounts because it's been horrible since. And ever since, there's just been nothing but fake news floating around and it's become a Nazi breeding ground. Who knew all of our parents were secretly racist? It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we did, but now everybody else does too. Um, <laughs> well, no, your mom amazing. and dad are Nazis as well? Cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I mean, you know, anyone born before the 80s probably is. Um, <laughs> there's... <laughs> there's it's funny watching this now because you're seeing, and it wasn't harmless then, but you're seeing the birth of this incredible sort of tech empire. Um, but it did start off as this cool idea and then it just got bigger and bigger and now it's become so morally bankrupt and it's implicit in such scandalous things and essentially a part of the murder of american democracy yeah absolutely <laughs> facebook is an integral part of its dismantling and that's oh fucked up that's so removed from like not only not just like oh it's kind of shitty that they steal your information to so they can like send you targeted ads every fucking app that that and that they you know steal all your photos and shit like well you know you put your stuff on a site that you don't own yeah of course, that's going to happen. Um, but it's just, it's crazy how far it's come and what Facebook has become. It's yeah. Like, and the and the movie still sort of stands up no matter the context, mm-hmm. the historical context you find it in. It's still an interesting story of like friendship and betrayal and ambition and all this yeah. really great stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, that's like to- totally spot on. I think like, you know, I'm sitting here thinking when I'm like looking at you via Skype and stuff and we're like, you know, I'm bad mouthing technology and blah, blah, blah and tech entrepreneurs. And I get it. Like, I understand you need those people who have these crazy ideas and like, I, I'm not totally technophobic. Like, I think that, uh, you know, technology, mm-hmm. like I wouldn't be married to my wife if there wasn't just random technology that existed to allow me to meet someone from across the fucking Atlantic Ocean. You know, it's like, yeah, it's incredible that we live in this time that we have these things that can really like, you know, connect us to people and keep me in touch with my family that live across the ocean. And like, like I, I love the fact that that exists. It's just it sucks that like it gets exploited by people who don't have mm. your best interest in mind uh, to try to basically capitalize on either money or power or greed or whatever it is, you know, whatever their end game is, that's not fucking mm-hmm what the original intentions of this technology that we're using. And also just the idea of like the podcast, it's just communication, talking to people and just like, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's it sucks mm-hmm. that it gets soured and spoiled by people who just realize the potential of the power that it has to be able to sway elections and like ruin like just families ruin everything that it was supposed to, you know, exist to help 
but we just hate everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's so and bizarre. And yet still, we hate everyone. Yeah, it's so bizarre, and it a lot of it comes down to like just false shit that just gets thrown around by people who have zero sources of information that's actually fact. Carelessly, yeah, yeah, just tossing it around on social media. So it's insane that like <laughs> you know this film. Like I said, early 10 years ago came out and people weren't really paying attention to the fact that like the catalyst for Mark Zuckerberg, uh, be it true or not, I don't know. But in this film, at least, uh, was able to basically really start Facebook by conning his friend into giving him the email addresses of all these people inside of the stupid (laughs) final club, which is what started the whole fucking thing. And uh, that was, and it hadn't really changed. (laughs) That was a data breach. He stole people's information (laughs) against their (laughs) against their will, uh, and spammed them. And that's what has been happening (laughs) ever since. It was a lot better back when MySpace existed. My parents weren't on it, and uh, I uh, had a music player that basically let you know what you were getting into when you were coming onto my page. You were either gonna. Yeah. fucking enjoy it or you're gonna get out of there and that's the way i want it you know and facebook doesn't offer <laughs> yeah. that i want to have a fucking big gif thing just floating my across face. my facebook page but facebook's got to be clean so i say screw them screw them bring back myspace justin timberlake tried to go to myspace that was pretty funny you remember that he like bought myspace <laughs> no <Did he? laughs> yeah i think so like i think no when they man. were trying to relaunch myspace i'm pretty sure he was he was attached to it and stuff it was really funny and, it's uh, done, man. Didn't really work. <laughs> it's, it's done. Yeah. yeah. Do you need? Do you need something? I don't know what the next thing is, <laughs> yeah. but I feel like we've had every variation and like every new social networking <laughs> like site platform had the gimmick. Yeah. And like they just keep destroying those companies and incorporating those gimmick into other ones yeah. and ruining them. Like I can't fucking damned instagram right now yeah. because it's just real which is just tiktok yeah i hate tiktok it's just fucking people dancing and changing clothes and i don't understand the appeal like yeah. it just really bothers me instagram lost all of its soul when it was bought by facebook so i mean <laughs> exactly i mean yeah. like the lot like i the last one i used really at twitter and i fucking hate twitter as well because it's become this platform for political discourse and <laughs> it's not equipped to deal with it yeah it doesn't work you can't read tone or like <laughs> intention or anything behind it yeah but there's a lot of funny shit on twitter yeah there you know? is i feel like twitter is the funniest one of them all and you can yeah. get some sometimes some proper news off of Twitter and it like, or at least like it sparks something so you can go look it up yourself instead of like, you know, as long as you're not believing it initially, but it like you, you get something. I like, always, okay, I'll go look that up. Yeah. Like, I always double check. I tend to like, <laughs> I like, I like reading it. I like watching the news or reading news in the morning. And I yeah. tend to go to like three or four different sites and sort of try and get a whole picture yeah. of it, <laughs> which is something people on Facebook never do. Yeah. No, they, uh, <laughs> uncle ramus over there just like decided to post that uh you know the 5g towers are gonna you know add chlorine to the water that's gonna make the frogs gay so you know (laughs) 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 i know the last thing we need john it's more gay frogs (laughs) cool man you do you 
I think I'm gonna. I think we need more games. I'm gonna log off now. Can't wait. Yeah, right. if anything. <laughs> well, listeners out there, this has been a play. Uh We're we're ending yeah. this now. My name is Jonathan Foster. You can find me over at Tall for All on uh, T A L L, the number four A L L on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And <laughs> Phil, where can people find you? Uh, you know, usual usual spot. I'm at Far Away Nad on Twitter. And you know what? I think it's time for a shakeup. I think oh. it's time for me to change my Twitter name. Okay. Because, you know, Far, Far Away Nad was not my original name. And I don't have enough followers to confuse anyone. <laughs> you know? um, <laughs> I don't know if anyone will listen. We could, you know, people can tell me, give me the gestion. Mm-hmm. I have a few, I have a few ideas of my own, maybe like Phil TV, something like that. Phil TV? Phil Tweet. Phil Tweet. Uh, not Phil, I quite like. Um, one of those. Those are the three I'm like toying with. Cool. But for now, you can find me at Far Away Ned. Um, right and Doug and I met on Instagram. That's not going to change. Yeah. Um, could that no, that's the joke. Yeah. Well, listeners, you know, you give us a hand here. Try to help Phil out. I mean, you have a bad track record of uh, replying to us when we ask you to. But, you know. I'll give it a week. I'll wait a week. <laughs> you try to help Phil out. He's looking for a new handle. Let him know. Uh, and now, right now, he's at Far Away Sad. But if you want to let us know on the podcast, it's at the PCC Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Or you can send us an email with suggestions at podcast.princecharlescinema.com. Let us know what you think of the social network, uh, Facebook, or anything we've said on this podcast. It doesn't matter to me. As always, you can go <laughs> over to patreon.com forward slash the PCC Podcast. Support the podcast $5 or more a month. Get you a couple bonus episodes a month. We're doing fucking fast and furious movies over there and you're trying to act like you don't want to watch those films but you do because they're fucking fun and they're really good episodes and also we're doing a lot of they other are. fun stuff like ewoks are gonna happen soon oh my god a continuation of star wars mm. that you can only hear over on patreon <laughs> <laughs> yeah. anyway that's us uh hit but us up over there man. we love you guys um delete facebook mm. that's uh sentiment this yeah week. and if not burn add it a friend whatever burn yeah. it down Burn it down. Or at least just stop adding your parents. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Jesus Christ. No, Dad. Get the hint.